when a small town doctor stumbles onto a wicked plot by a novelty company to kill millions of children nationwide, he must disrupt their evil scheme by any means necessary. In the most divisive of the Halloween sequels, 1982's Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. I'm Connor Azagari. I'm Kayla Jay. And this is Filmgasm. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. Uh, regretfully, Colton will not be joining us tonight as he has unexpectedly taken ill. Uh, we wish you the best. Instead, it's a classic with me and Caleb here. And it's almost Halloween, which means it's time to once again leave a jack-o'-lantern outside for Michael Myers. This week, the latest finale to the Halloween franchise debuts in theaters and on Peacock this Friday. Halloween ends. Yeah, right. Still going to be a good movie. Uh, uh, Halloween Returns or Reborn or whatever, or just the fourth titled Halloween film. Yeah, I, yeah. The end. I, point. I want them to just go full bore with it and end the movie with a the end question mark. <laughs> they should just uh, MC, do it like the MCU. Michael Myers will return. My God, like fucking Van Helsing shows up. Like, I'd like to talk to you about the scary movie initiative. Like, Jason and Freddy are next to him. I talked to you about the slasher initiative. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that shit's been pitched. You know it has. At some point. Yeah. So, as is Filmgasm tradition, we're continuing our yearly run through the franchise with Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, the one that Michael passed on. Because his contract was only for two films and he bowed out and then they renewed it for a fourth. That's what I like to choose. That's what I like to think happened. Like literally Michael Myers was in negotiation and he just stormed out. <laughs> if I don't get the monkey, I'm out. I walk. Wrong Michael, but nice callback to beyond the bad there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Check out the Congo episode of Beyond the Bad if you guys want to know what we are talking about. Um, yeah, it. I know you probably got all the stuff on this one because you can actually pretty much it's pretty easy to find what went down on this movie. I think the Wikipedia for it itself is actually pretty detailed. Um, I know I got. I mean, I got the. I've been. I'm upgrading my entire set that I have of the original run to the Screen Factory's 4Ks. So I got the 4K of three, one through five right now. I'm waiting to get in the mail six seven eight i ordered it um not too long ago so um eventually i'll have those in my my collection as well um but yeah it, it's interesting because with this one like i if you're a first time like viewer right and especially fledging horror fan like i understand the initial reactions to this film from a lot of people because it's like what the fuck why you know why but for me like after having seen the whole franchise kind of knowing why this film was made, what went into it. I, I see that that's usually when people go from like, ah, to like, they tend to like it or in a lot of cases, love it. Um, I like it. I don't love it. I do like it quite a bit. I do think they could have just dropped that. I get why Carpenter, like it makes sense. I get his headset, his mindset at the time, but it is like, it does make it stick out like a sore thumb. And uh, you actually, we were texting about, you even say like, it's really, in the grand scheme of things, not even the worst Halloween film. Like, 
you want to see a bad Halloween film, watch something like any of the other actual like Michael Myers sequels and then try to tell me Season of the Witch is a bad Halloween film. Well, I'll just say now it'll be a cold day in hell when I pay money for Halloween 6 and Halloween Resurrection. Uh, but yes, this is not the bottom of the barrel. It just is very off-putting, especially in 1982 when, you know, it's like if all of a sudden Friday the 13th Part 3 was about, like, a swamp monster. People would be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I mean, Part 5, people kind of... The fans had their uproar with Part 5 of Friday the 13th, and they got rectified in Part 6, so... Yeah, every franchise has their weird film where people are like, what the fuck were they thinking? And then uh, and it seems like in almost all of the cases, they get, like, beloved over time. You know, like, Halloween 3 now has a great status... Five is actually, you know, a, a favorite for many uh, fans with the the series of Friday Thirteenth, and I would say with Nightmare on Elm Two, I would argue it's Part Two that was for years like the Black Sheep, and then that's been regained, um, especially ever since the uh, the Screen Queen documentary came out, and things have been kind of shed light on behind the scenes and whatnot, and it's become a much more beloved sequel. So it seems to happen to a lot of these where like you get that hated one and then like over time it kind of like as you kind of and i've noticed with a lot of them as you learn the behind the scenes and kind of what went into this the decision making process that fans tend to soften over time and go like okay well what they were trying to achieve is not a terrible film that's true and uh i always like having an excuse to go through this franchise anyway and you know the way we've been doing it just kind of one at a time uh with the exception of last year, which we, you know, went into, we did the 2018 one because Halloween Kills came out. And uh, I'm, yeah, this, I, we were going to get to this eventually. And I was worried this was going to be like a, a divisive episode of this show because of the movies, you know, whole deal. But I'll admit, it's not horrible. I, I was more invested this time than I did than I was the last time I watched it. I could, I got, I got it. You know, I appreciated what Carpenter wanted here, but it druid magic and robots. And like, are you what? Like I'm less upset about the fact that Michael's not here and more upset about the fact that this movie makes no fucking sense. (laughs) That's my beef here. Like, I don't care if Michael's not here. It's the, what the hell else? Like, what is this? It's one of those things where, like, and I, it's fine. So I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I may have texted Josh. I was like, "Conversation Halloween 3. He goes, "No way." And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and uh, it's, but it's funny because he said the same thing about the premise that you that you texted me. Like, literally the exact same thing. Which was, he goes, "The premise is wacky, but it grabs you." And I'm like. Yeah, that's really the best way. Like, it, I'm with you. Like, I'm with you. Like I said, I, I kind of, you know, in all seriousness, I had, when I was first going through the marathon myself, it took me a lot of moments this morning. I didn't hate it outright by much me. I'm like, I knew going in, I did my research, and I was like, okay, but this is what you get out of it. And, but as the years have gone on, I've softened myself to really, really enjoying this film. And it's just because, yeah, yeah, it's a really wacky, makes those sense premise, but it fucking grabs you and it like their commitment to the premise is what like I think really I appreciate like they commit all of everything to this plot like from the performances the fact that you got Tom motherfucking Atkins 
in this movie. Um, the fact that they kill a kid on camera, <laughs> like we watch a family die. You don't get that a lot in American horror. I'm just saying not on camera. It's usually like an off screen thing. We talk about like the, the balls this film had with some of its choices and like, so just the commitment to its extremely zany plot. I kind of, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you have to commit if you're going to do, if you're going to pitch something this outlandish, if you're not, if you're not dedicated to it, no one's going to, no one's going to buy it. Uh, so before we get into it uh, proper, I do have a more personal kind of fun question for you. So Halloween is, you know, pretty sacred to us, the holiday, you know, as well as the movie, but the holiday, you know, we all, when we were kids, you know, candy, costumes, spooky shit, like it was, you know, it was awesome. Everybody loves Halloween. Well, mostly everybody. Uh, so my question for you is, what were some of your favorite Halloween costumes growing up that you that you did on Halloween as a kid? That I did probably Harry Potter. I think I went like two or three years straight as Harry Potter, just because I liked the book so much. Um, after that, uh, I honestly I remember I did not. It's weird. Like my parents didn't really like endorse like the costuming part. Like that's they went like against it. I just didn't do it a lot. Usually just put on some clothes and went trick or treating. It was weird. Um, and after all, I got to, you know I got that dumb teenage face where I was like I want to hang out with my friends on Halloween. Um. You know, we all hit that stage. Um, but yeah, I would probably say the most vivid just because I did it so many times and I was obsessed. So that was when I had like I had a like a bed sheet that was Harry Potter. I had board games. I had like all sorts of fuck. I had card games, like all sorts of stuff. Um, the fact that I went like I, th- I want to say three years straight, and all it was was the fucking cape, like the glasses, about you know, um, the actual frames, um, all sorts of stupid shit. I think one year I even thought I'll grow my hair out to actually match the look. It didn't work. Um, for those who don't know, I'm bald now, and there's a reason. My hair has never been one has never played ball with me ever in my life. So, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 so you just you just put on street clothes and just went trick or treating. Yeah, that is some lazy disrespectful shit right there Mm-mm. i wouldn't have given you candy well that's just because you're a dick no i hold the, i hold shit sacred like try a little bit no i'll give anyone candy that asks for candy on halloween i'm not an asshole they better have a costume i don't give a shit i'll give you candy i can't i no, not just ever anybody you i wouldn't give you personally candy if you came to me without a costume on Halloween, I'll just fucking TP your house or something. Egg it. I have never actually seen that happen. Do, do people really do that? I mean, I never did. I've heard. I've. I've. I've heard stories. I never did it. Even when I ran around as a teenager, when I ran around with my friends on Halloween, it's not something we did. My my family. We we uh. We made our own costumes like when I never really like wasn't until I was like, you know, 13, 14, where I started like buying, you know, costumes. I was getting into horror and I wanted to be like Freddy. I wanted to be Jason. Uh, But I remember like a couple years before the Hulk movie came out, the 2003 Eric Bana Hulk movie, my mom made me a Hulk costume from scratch. 
she like she dyed a pair of jeans purple she tore them up she like I, she face painted my my face and hair green she gave me a green sweater that she like put padding in so i looked buff i was the hulk and it was that was a special memory i remember that because like she put a lot of effort into that costume uh I went as Two-Face once, like we found like a purple shirt and a white shirt and like stitched them together. And my grandpa did like makeup on half my face and spray painted half my hair. And that, that was cool. Um, yeah, I I loved Halloween as a kid. I was just, I, I love the costume. I love putting, you know, the thought into a costume and like just walking around with my friends and family. Uh, my last Halloween in Maryland, which I kind of, I kind of count like my, you know, moving to Texas is like the end of my childhood because I moved here when I was about 14, 15. So it was like, that was it. My last Halloween in Maryland, I dressed up as a uh, ghost face because I had just watched Scream for the first time. And I was like, ghost face is cool. I, I missed the train by a good 20 years. But um, it was just, you know, me being ghost face, walking around trying to scare people like that was a fun memory. So I, I have a lot of good memories tied to Halloween and various costumes that, you know, my family and I put together. Yeah, I mean, I think my main thing growing up as a kid, and like for a long time, my parents would just been on me costumes as a kid. There's definitely photos from when I was a baby in costume. Uh, definitely one year she did me as like some kind of clown. Um, but once I got to like middle school, high school, like she didn't really spend the money on getting <laughs> costumes for me anymore. So I just I was like, oh, I'll just go with my buddies and whatever. But my thing really was like I just want candy, and then I would watch AMC's Fear Fest or you know as many horror films as I could uh, put into my brain at that time. Nice. I remember I uh, when I did Freddy. Um, my mom didn't. I wore glasses as a kid, and my mom didn't want me wearing masks for whatever reason. Like she never really gave me a good reason for that. But when I did Freddy. Like I couldn't wear the mask of him, you know, his burnt face and no one wanted to do makeup for me. So I just, I was like pre, pre burned, burned alive Freddy Krueger with just the sweater and the hat and the, and the glove. I was just, it's Freddy before the accident. <laughs> You're Freddy in spirit. That's all that matters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I remember when I did Jason, I wore the hockey mask over my glasses and that just, it looked all like weirdly, like the, the hockey mask was like off to the side and I couldn't fucking see anything. That was a bad idea. <laughs> uh, that's a goofy looking fucking Jason, not gonna lie to you. I can imagine like Chase trying to hunt people down and like tripping because he can't see. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, before I switched to contacts, my, um, my choice in costumes was severely limited when I had to get glasses. It was like, oh, well, can't do masks because if I put a mask on, I can't fucking see. Um, now I have contacts, so usually I can just pop those bad boys on and I'm fine. But yeah, I might, you know, I might pick something up this year just for the hell of it. Um, let's just put it at Halloween not too far away from me. So, nice. Um, if you had to buy one of the silver shamrock masks, which one would it be? Oh man! Oh, easily the 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 witch, the green one. Okay. Actually, I need so fright racks is selling all of them for sixty dollars. 
like total. And I've been fucking eyeing it, and I, I might jump on that. Oh my god! I'd probably buy the pumpkin, just because it's you know looks kind of classic. I mean, if you you can easily go to Spirit Halloween or like Trick or Treat Studios, and you can get those masks actually wear. Like they sell them for Halloween costumes. I don't want them. I'm just like, I'm saying like in universe. If I was a kid in, in Halloween three, and I was seeing the Silver Shamrock commercial every day, which one would I beg my mom to get me? Probably the. Yeah, I, I'd probably go for the which one. Nice. I want to see like I get you know turning into a moldy pumpkin, but like just like are kids turning into witches? Like how does that work? No, they no one turns into witches. They just all die. But the way the kid died who had the pumpkin mask on, his head turned into a rotten jack-o'-lantern. His pie turns into a witch's head and then dies. I want to see. I wish like, you could have seen that. Except like blood and guts. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably. It's probably a lot more uh, gory and violent. Probably. That's what you get for fucking around with Druish magic. I guess. Or robots. Or the Irish. I don't fucking know. <laughs> All three. See. <laughs> All right. So, how did this, you know, slasher franchise churn out a like fantasy sci-fi entry in 1982? How did this happen? Well, this is how it happened. So, this is the third film in the franchise. Obviously, it's called Halloween Three. If you didn't know that, you you need help. 1978 Halloween, 1981's Halloween Two. This was supposed to be Halloween Two. John Carpenter and Deborah Hill's original vision for the franchise was to have each film be an unconnected story revolving around Halloween. They were con- going to continue this yearly, have it be an anthology thing, and which that would have been really cool. That would have been so neat to have this, this ongoing Halloween yearly franchise of just weird, cool shit. But producers Erwin Yablins and Mustafa Akkad forced him to bring Michael Myers back for Halloween too as he was a hugely profitable character. People wanted to see Michael. So Carpenter had Michael killed in Halloween 2 so he could be done with him. And then when the time came for Carpenter to get his anthology idea off the ground with Halloween 3, it failed financially because the audience was expecting Michael Myers. Everything got fucked up. If this had been Halloween 2, there wouldn't have been a problem. But because we got two Michael movies, everyone wanted a third because we thought, oh, this is a Michael Myers franchise. And it all collapsed. So... Shit. Fucking Mustafa. <laughs> God damn Mustafa. Yeah, it it like at the same I I get it because yeah, if had they struck it at two, audiences could probably could have acclimated quicker. But instead we got two Michael Myers films. And the thing is too, also at Halloween two, it takes place literally on the same night. Like it is it's just a straight from the moment the first one is where two picks up. So like not only is it a Michael Myers sequel, it's very much like a, this is a continuation of the first film. It's like a true sequel in every sense of the word. Yeah. And then this is the 80s. They don't have the internet. Artists don't have the internet. They don't have all this stuff to tell them like, hey, it's not going to be a Michael Myers movie. Even though I think even if you try doing that today, people will still, you know, obviously get upset and freak out. Um, I, I wonder if the trailer in 1982, like, was, was it, like, did it mislead people? Was there even a trailer? It made of I maybe I think it did. I know like the tagline for this was like the night no one came home. So like the studio was not hoping Carpenter out at all and 
making people think like, oh, hey, this is, you know, not with Michael Myers. Dude, if I went to see this in 1982 and I'd been, you know, I, I heard that tagline and I was a big fan of the first two, I would be remarkably pissed. I would feel so cheated. And yeah, I, I get why this bombed. Uh, like, be honest, would you have would you have felt the same way? So, and yeah, when it came out, yeah. Like I said, even even knowing what I knew about it when I first saw it, I didn't love it at first. Like I, something kept bringing me back to it, but it wasn't like, oh my god, like this is an amazing piece of art. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it was all it's it's off putting because yeah, you watch like the first two, and you're like okay, and I I actually do really like Halloween too, um, but then you go into this one and you're thinking like, oh, see, what does that mean? Season of the Witch. Okay, what's what's that mean? And then you look, if you look at the poster. Like it really doesn't show much of the you're like, okay, somehow Michael figures in this somehow. And then you're watching it and you're like, what's with this town? That's not Hanfield. What the fuck's Michael going into this? Oh, what's going on here? I wonder how far into the movie people realize Michael's not coming home. Like, I wonder how long it took. <sighs> I, I I don't know. Well, how many people walked out? That's my question. Yeah. Damn, that must have been just disappointing. Uh, so Carpenter sold off the rights to the franchise because he didn't want to tell any more Michael Myers stories. He was like, you know, I'm done. He's dead. Him and Loomis blew up in the hospital. There's no more Michael Myers. Of course, the new owners brought Michael back in 1988 with Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers, and just ignored that. Him and Loomis yeah. were it's amazing how long it's the Halloween franchise has always been interesting to me as a slasher franchise because you know we as a franchise people hold them to just high esteem and I talked about a little bit about this with Friday 13th and like I do yeah I, the first Halloween is undeniable classic I actually just saw it this past weekend at a Regal I was playing it on the big screen fucking awesome to see it on the big screen right but like if you look at this franchise man it's like you have halloween that like kind of pushed that door open for slashers obviously on you know, friday 13 like absolutely demolished the door for the 80s slasher boom um but you know it did it and then admittedly halloween 2 was made to you know cash in on that like carver really didn't even want to do two so known fact that the prior sister thing was a six-pack of bud light creation um um so, you know, it was made to essentially cash in on, like, this whole, like, 80s, like, slasher craze that was happening. Which, again, and I'm saying as someone who does, like, Halloween 2, so no one come at me. Um, but then 3, like you said, we're seeing here, you wanted to be different and all that stuff. And that did not take at the time whatsoever. I mean, it's just now recently kind of made, obtain a cult status amongst the horror film community. Um, and then they wait six god damn most of the 80 slasher has literally had its peak and it's and by 88 it's going down on it's like downward spiral like it's it's hit its peak and it's going down and then we finally get halloween for the return of michael Myers. and again i like halloween for quite a bit but god damn what a what a roller coaster how these films got made and then like it's so hard for me to consider this like an 80 slasher drunk like they barely had any fucking installments in the eighties that actually had Michael. Yeah. Michael got locked out of the party right when it was starting. And when he finally got in the fucking door, the party was over. <laughs> that sucks. If they had just, I think, you know, speaking of with three, 
if they had just made this movie as season of the witch an unconnected movie this would have been a instant classic yeah i think if they had just taken off the halloween three title and just got season of the witch they would have been fine absolutely yeah. fine yeah ah damn well thankfully you know it took a long time but finally carpenter got back involved with the franchise when somebody had a really good idea so he came back he's done the music for 2018's halloween and kills and ends and these have been the best halloween's been since the 70s so i'm loving this boom i got my tickets for ends on thursday i can't wait I did mine for Friday, so don't ruin it when we record. I will not. I will not. Uh, <laughs> considering what we're talking about this week, I doubt I'll be able to get it word in edgewise on Halloween. I've got. I'm gonna have too much to take to task. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, when the time came. Um, oh no, said that already. Originally, Joe Dante was hired to direct season of the witch. So if you don't remember, Dante is a director of gremlins, the burbs, the howling and small soldiers among others, really underrated uh, genre film director has done some classics. Some of my favorite movies. Uh, he bailed to, to do a segment on twilight zone, the movie. So he chose that instead, not the best career move, but I'm sure it meant a lot to him at the time. Well, not the best career move because of a unfo- very unfortunate thing that happened on that movie that no one anticipated. Yeah. Um. But, so I, I get probably why he was like, I'll go do this instead because, you know, Twilight Zone was a hot property and like I said, I don't, no one anticipated the um the tragedy that happened on that movie. Um, Dante's... Yeah, he's done a lot. I actually recently... Okay. I was going to say, I recently uh, watched Small Soldiers again after, because I used to love that movie when I was a kid. Um, I watched it again actually cut like a month or two ago, like a rewatch, and it still holds up. I quite enjoy Small Soldiers still. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a favorite. Uh, I think Dante's segment in the Twilight Zone movie, was that the one where the little kid can control reality with his mind? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Because Spielberg's was kicked the can. Miller did Nightmare Twenty Thousand Feet, and Landis did the the racist one. So yeah, all right, that was him. Okay. Um. So when Dante passed on um Halloween three, Halloween alum Tommy Lee Wallace took the job. Wallace was the art director and production designer for the original Halloween, and he had previously passed on directing Halloween two. So he finally got the job here. This was his directorial debut. He would later direct Fright Night Part 2, Vampires Los Muertos, the sequel to Carpenter's Vampires, and the It miniseries from 1990. So not a bad uh, resume there as a director. Uh, especially in the case of, like, you know, the It miniseries has a very big cult following to say. They actually just came out with a whole documentary on it um, not too long ago I want to check out. Uh, but yeah, not a bad resume. Um, I don't know how, I mean, yeah, he did Fright Night Part 2 and Vampires, Los Motos, but he also did It, the miniseries, and Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Yeah, I guess on paper, I guess it's not great. 
But you know, if I made all that shit, I'd, I'd brag. He basically has done like the the bad sequels to better movies three times, <laughs> and then it. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, but I mean, look, I mean, at the end of the day, he made he he made he made movies, and it's a fucking hard ass task to do it, even if you're doing like the third second film in a franchise as you can kind of see with halloween alone it's a, a third film was a bitch to get off the ground yeah and fright night 2 i finally was able to watch it thanks to a crystal clear copy that got put on youtube uh it's not horrible it's just weak but that's only because fright night is so fucking magical uh it's hard to you know to sequelize that is almost impossible so i don't really I got my own shit with Friday Night too. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to do it on one of our shows one day, if it's ever easily accessible. Like when it's easily accessible, yes. Halloween three was not well received, as we previously mentioned. Audiences expected Michael were disappointed when they didn't get him. Uh, it has an IMDb score of 5.1, Rotten Tomatoes score of 47%. Curtis Consensus reads, It's laudable deviation from series formula notwithstanding. Halloween 3 Season of the Witch offers paltry thrills and dubious plotting. You know, they don't have to talk like they're a medieval renaissance professor on Rotten Tomatoes. They don't have to do that. <laughs> they just choose to do that to make us look like idiots. <laughs> Probably they just watch like Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon. They're like, all right, how do we sound like that? I've never heard anybody say the phrase laudable deviation in real life. It's annoying. Right? We laud their deviation from franchise formula. Like how they say franchise, like especially at the time. Like, let's say this is a review from at the time. Like, it was two movies. All right. What franchise are you talking about? It was two films. This is the third movie. Let me translate this into regular English for myself, my friends, and my audience here. Halloween 3 doesn't have Michael Myers in it, and it's not that scary, and the plot doesn't make sense. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. I think we all understood that. Right, the critics and audiences. <laughs> that makes more sense. I'm going to start doing that, because I've known, this is not the first critic consensus that uses like upscale language to try to sound smarter. I'm going to start translating this shit just for kicks. Oh, not the first. Uh, are you, we got, we always get a taste of that on beyond the bad. Yeah. It's hilarious. Oh, I, we tend to agree with them on beyond the bad, but you know, sometimes you get some, some pretentious twat who just doesn't get it. Yeah. So, Halloween 3 grossed 14 million on a budget of 2.5 million, a big $11 million drop from the previous film's box office return. Halloween 2 was also made on a $2.5 million budget. So the producers labeled this a failure. Carpenter's anthology franchise idea was quickly abandoned. And six years later, Michael Myers would return as the face of the franchise. However, this film quickly became a cult classic and is today considered a Halloween season staple by many. And it is currently streaming on Peacock. If anybody would like to see this for themselves, yes. Um, 
I do like how on Halloween four they like they let you know Michael's back like he's on the he's on the poster is literally called Halloween four the return of Michael Myers like they're like look okay we heard you okay we got it he's back we got you I love that it took six years to come up with the brilliant premise of he just hunts another Strode. But now it's his niece. Yeah. Uh, I did like the little detail of the the Silver Shamrock masks uh, reappearing in Halloween Kills. I thought that was cool. Nice little nod to the past. Uh, yeah. It's not the worst. Nothing's topping Buster Brown's like, Kung Fu Kid. They, be honest here. Oh, boy. That or like any of the cult stuff in Curse of Michael Myers. Um... Uh no, I remember they actually popped up in the Halloween 2018 first. They're remember they pop they bump into him when he first pops in town as a killing spree, and then in kills he kills two or he I kills one of the kids. It's heavily implied one of those kids was killed by Michael, and then he fucks with the mask. I when <laughs> that scene in 2018's Halloween when Michael comes to town and we get that great you know uncut take of him just murdering his way through this neighborhood when he does bump into that kid i love the kids like oh sorry sir like at michael myers that always makes me chuckle like you have no idea who you just bumped into kid <laughs> right ah uh, anyway michael appreciated that though he was like you know what? good kid i won't kill him tonight just for that i'm not killing a baby like i was going to earlier I like to think that's why he didn't kill All that. because of that one. Yeah, he's like, you know what? Kid was nice to me tonight. I'll pay it for it. But just once. <laughs> After that, I'm massacring everyone. Reminds me of the Spider-Man cutaway in Family Guy where he's like, everybody gets one and then flies away. It's Michael in Halloween. Everybody gets one. <laughs> You're saying that kid saved a baby. That's what I believe, yes. Because that kid bumped into Michael and said, excuse me, Michael was like, okay, I'll put that in the mental tally mark and killed a bunch of people. And then there was a baby and he's like, all right, extra life. And then continued on. <laughs> the The implication of if that, that kid said nothing and that he would have just horrendously stabbed the fuck out of that baby. Jesus Christ. Well, through the entire franchise, we never see Michael show any kind of mercy to anybody. So why does he just randomly decide not to kill that baby? He already killed the mom. Like it's not like someone's gonna just like discover him. He didn't care. He just doesn't kill the baby. So like that's a that's an explanation of like you know pay it forward. That's all I got. I would, look, I'm not like one of the fans that th I know some people are like so bothered by that. They're like, oh, he did. I'm like, who gives a shit? I don't want to see him stab a baby. Let's be honest about it. Let's just be get that out of the way right now. I just want to. I just thought it was weird that he just randomly shows some mercy. True. He's not the baby wrangler for a real old callback. I remember that. Yeah, I stand by what I said. I don't. Ah, it's been a while since I thought about that one. Uh, check no, check out our our podcast on 2018's Halloween to find out about the baby wrangler. 
God damn it. Um, so let's talk some details of Season oh, of the Witch. God, what a time on that one. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite Carpenter scores. Oh, that's a great score. Yeah. Uh, Chariots of Pumpkins is the name of the, the bit that is kind of, you know, become like the theme of this movie. And it's creepy, it's eerie, it's unsettling, and I wish it had, you know, been in a better movie. That was a, a pretty decent film, at least. But yeah, no, the, the score in this movie is good. Both the score and then the, the Silver Shamrock commercial jingle. Like, god damn it. I, I don't care what anyone says. It's catchy. The eight more days till Halloween. 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 I'm like, god, it gets in your head. Like, you cannot deny that. That damn thing gets in your fucking head. How long do you Every think that... time. How long do you think that was playing in October? Like, do you think they started that on October 1st and just kept that going for the entire month? Did. I hope, mainly I hope only because you know how many parents would be scared like the fifth day probably, especially yeah. like the silver shamrock. I feel like they would just fucking be like there'd be a lot of broken TVs after so long, just annoyed parents. Yeah, a lot of ruined Halloweens because mom and dad lost their fucking minds and just destroyed the TV, the radio. The masks they bought their kids. Yeah. This was not a very well thought out plan. If like imagine if that's what stopped the Silver Shamrock grand plan is that parents just got so pissed at the jingle they'd stop buying the masks. <laughs> I'm done with this shit. <laughs> I I love the idea of, like, let's say it's, like, the scenario of, like, a dad having, like, a heart. He had a long day at work. He just comes home, sits in front of the TV, and the first thing he fucking hears is, 10 more days till Halloween, Halloween. <laughs> and you just see him get calmly up. He doesn't say a word. <laughs> he goes upstairs real quick, calmly walks back down with a fucking... Just starts smashing the shit out of the TV. I find it funnier if he goes to like the den and comes back with a shotgun. <laughs> just Timmy, can you can you get out of the way of the TV, please? You've got three seconds. Boom. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and he just like puts the gun down and sits right back down in his chair. And then it comes at- and then it comes on the radio. And that's when the family was killed. (laughs) Like, that'd be a great cameo for Michael. He comes into that house to kill, and everyone's already dead because dad unloaded, you know, double barrel. uh, The whole family killed everybody. He's just like, oh, oh. And then just, like, goes outside and throws up in the yard. All I did uh, I'm just looking around being like, what the fuck happened in here? He calls the police. <laughs> <laughs> like, Guys, there's a psychopath. 
anonymous tip. There is something happened here. <laughs> I swear to God, it wasn't Michael. Don't think that. <laughs> Michael? Who's Michael? What? Who are you? Don't don't call here again. Just hangs up. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, the Silver Shamrock commercial is pretty iconic. Uh, I, years before I ever saw this movie, my family, especially my mom and my uncle, would just sing this shit around Halloween. And I didn't know what it meant. All I knew, all I thought was, it's extremely annoying. Because <laughs> they would do the part themselves. So I just heard that shit constantly around Halloween. And it it drove me into a blind rage every time. So I get it. That part would do that. It's it's one thing to like do the like, you know, eight more days, like sing that, but the actual singing part. But if you're actually doing the noises, you're God. <laughs> I'm going, going to rage myself. It's almost like a fucking like it's like the winter soldier. I hear that shit all of a sudden I get angry. My whole childhood. I just have that as like a trigger. It's oh man. <laughs> they still do it. They still do that. Anytime someone brings up Halloween three or says Silver Shamrock, it's God. like they just they turn on and they do this. <laughs> oh okay. So Christ. If I ever remind you on Halloween, I'm mentioning Halloween three. Um, so this scientist dude or whatever the hell, it's never really established who Ellie's father is. He's just Ellie's father. I don't think he ever gets a name. And he just shows up. Like, it doesn't... When you have someone like Tom Atkins commanding the screen, he doesn't care about this woman's father he is honing in like like a goddamn shark he <laughs> i i forgot how much he's neglecting his kids in this movie like we see them one time and the rest of the movie is him calling yeah. his ex-wife to say he can't do anything with them <laughs> he's got other things to do yeah his ex-wife played by um yeah <laughs> Eddie has to go get laid by someone else. Um, his ex-wife, he was played by um the chick who played Annie in um the original Halloween, who was also Tommy Lee Wallace's um wife. Oh, good for them. Um, she yeah. I, I just kept making me laugh every time he'd call her and be like, "I can't do it." She's like, "Are you kidding me? You told me you'd be here, you asshole!" And he's just like, "Linda, Linda, Linda." He can't. He can't ever get his point across. He's just being chewed out every time. Yeah. <laughs> Even when he's at, like calling her well, at the end of the movie, to be like, "You're gonna kill like, me." Look. I would love if, like, he just spoke like, "Look, Linda, I'm gonna be thrown with you." There's a chick that wants to. I have a, sh- a shot with. Like, just shut up. All right, I won't be there. I'm about to get laid. I'm hanging up the phone right now. Well, it's not even about that, though. Like, that just happens. But, like, when he's calling her, it's about legitimate shit. Even when he's, you know, in the facility, and he's like, Linda, they're going to kill me. Like, I need help. She's like, you said you would be here. <laughs> Trick or treat. You son of a bitch. And he's like, Linda, help me. <laughs> She's just like, fuck off. And hangs I'm up. about to die. <laughs> oh, that was, 
I, I forgot about those bits. That, that kept making me laugh. Oh. <laughs> um, so Ellie's father. Yeah, she, uh, you get from see all their access. I was, I was gonna. Hmm? I was say, I also forgot how like aggressively like throughout this movie, horny Tom Atkins is. Like he is hitting on every single woman that walks in this movie. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Well, he looks like he was like conceived when like a vat of testosterone like fell on a fertilized egg. He just looks like a man's man. Uh, I mean, it is it is Tom Atkins. I mean, he he he's a man's man. The stash, that's a stash. If I ever saw one in my life, um, no, I I've heard from a lot. Like he he you know he does a horror convention. Um, because of this, like Nine of the Creeps, and the very and he he's a big '80s horror icon, really. Um, and I think he's actually a really nice dude, but he can he can play a he can play a good badass. Um, it's funny. Um, on the last drive-in, uh, Joe Bob despises Halloween Three, like he hates the movie. Darcy loves it, and she like has gotten Tom Atkins involved in it now, for him to be like Joe Bob, you better shut up. I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> If you keep bitching about Halloween three, that's that's fantastic. Uh, one of my favorite Tom Atkins moments is after he's banged Ellie, and she wants to go for round two, and suddenly he has the foresight to be like, "Wait a minute, how old are you?" It's like, buddy, whatever the answer is, you're already. You're already in it, so it's too late. Yeah, you you were in it. You finished. <laughs> it's too late, there, bud. I I I don't know why. I always laugh at the scene when, like, as that one lady's dying in the room next to them, and she's like, "What's that noise?" And he's like, literally, just who gives a shit, basically, and it's just like pulls her back in. I'm like, what a man! Like, I no nothing matters right now until I am done. And don't forget why they're there, why this, how this all started. Her dad got his skull crushed by a robot in a suit, and they're trying to find the answers. And apparently, that is pretty horny. I mean, when you're surrounded by the testosterone that's Tom Atkins, do you blame her? <laughs> she couldn't, she couldn't deny that man. Uh, yeah. And then, um, I do like when he's, when you're at the bar and they turn on the channel and it's like Halloween, the immortal classic, it's like this was 1982. Let's chill, John. You don't know that yet. <laughs> it's like on at nine after the counter. Yeah. It was funny to be like, just to call your work an immortal classic, like what, four years later. Yeah, he's right. right. You just, I, what if you just use that to take? Like, you know, being right, yeah, but yeah, no, it it's funny. I always love when like you see Halloween playing on the TV because I'm like, hey, Halloween's playing on the TV in a sequel that's supposed to apparently take place in a different universe, and then you know, we go back to the same continuity in Halloween Four. Yeah. So let's go back to Marge, the. Sales lady who blasts her own face open by a ch- a chunk of the Stonehenge stone on a 
microchip. It doesn't make sense, but let me tell you, like the gore effects in this film, the practical effects are like pretty fucking top notch. Yeah, it's it's true. But I mean, I do like you get that little uh, uh, news report about how one of the Stonehenge stones was stolen. Like that's easy to do. It's like a fifteen hundred pound rock. Yeah, right. Like it's real easy to go over there, chip off a piece of the rock, and then just walk away. No, no, they stole the whole rock. Like the rock is in the Silver Shamrock factory. Apparently, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he unveils the whole rock. You only need one rock of Stonehenge to kill millions of children. What would the whole Stonehenge do? Michelle, there's no one guarding Stonehenge. Like, there's no one that's like, why is there a big old truck taking away a stone off of Stonehenge? They don't really, they don't have in the 80s, you could drive right up to it. Like, you can't do that anymore. But in the 80s, there's a scene in European Vacation where Clark Griswold backs into Stonehenge and knocks it over. Like, and that might be why they don't let you drive up. People in England saw that and were like, holy shit, that might happen. We need to stop that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to actually, I'm going to England in a, I'm doing Germany and England in a, in a couple of weeks and we might drive out to Stonehenge. I might go and I'll try to get one of those rocks so I can uh, take over the world. As long as you don't get the mask, you'll be fine. I'm going to chip off a piece so I can just have a laser. As long as I don't aim it at my own face. This is so stupid. <laughs> what does that do with like you trying to do like this plan, but you aim at your face and just fuck yourself up? Yeah, I just like it was weird what happened to her, and also that nobody questioned that the CEO of the Silver Shamrock Company is going to just take her to the factory for medical attention. Well, I, mean, I do actually kind of like how like they kind of said an eerie tone with this town. Like how all the townspeople are acting, and they're just like, "Oh, Mister Cochrane, Mister Cochrane, oh, Mister." Like, there's a really interesting concept there of like how this town is like, either really indebted to him, or they're terrified and they put on a front so he doesn't bother them. That's the vibe I got. Was like, you know, this is it's a company town. You know, everybody works for the company. The company provides all resources, so don't screw with the company. Which is, you know, not cool. Um, when uh, Dan calls the operator in Santa Mira, the operator is Jamie Lee Curtis. thought that was cool. I didn't actually know that. That was my first time knowing that. Yeah, when she's like, you know, your call cannot be completed. That's, that's Jamie Lee. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then just think, he would put, and this was after he had Jamie Lee and Tom Atkins starring in The Fog together. Where he had him shave the mustache. You don't do that to Tom Atkins. When you shave a stash that majestic, you summon an army of pirate ghosts, as we saw. So don't do that. That's the lesson I took away from the fog. Might not be the right lesson, but it's the one I took away. (laughs) If anything has taught me, if I've learned anything in my short time on this earth, any man that can actually grow a good stash like a solid one, like your Tom Selleck's of the ward or your Burt Reynolds at the time, you know, you know, when he was alive, don't shave the goddamn thing. They have a gift that no, very few men can obtain. That's actually grow a decent stash. that looks good on them. They always have a very short to the point, masculine name. 
Tom Atkins, Burt Reynolds, Sam Elliott. It's like, wonder if there's something to that. Maybe. <laughs> That's probably why I can't. My name, Caleb Blaget. It's not, I'm not saying it's, that does not scream a man with a stash. No, does not. It screams <laughs> horror fan who won't let things go. I just need you to be better. <laughs> That's why I don't let things go. So, <laughs> see, all you're doing is proving my point. <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> oh, so uh, Dan and Ellie, who have already hooked up and are now just together because movies, um, decided to go tour the factory. And <laughs> I love Cochran makes such a big deal out of the uh, final processing. It's like, oh, don't go in there. That's where the masks have their final processing. It's very, chem- like, there's chemicals and trade secrets. And, like, who isn't going to try to go in there? Like, yeah. just don't say anything about that. Just don't mention that room at all. And they never would have found anything. True. I will say this, though. I really like the actor playing Cochran a lot. Um, I know we did, I was, was kind of, like, praise Tom Atkins because he is the man. But uh, the actor playing Cochran is so good in this movie to me. Because um, I think what I like about him is, to me, I read that as like him not necessarily making a mistake, but he's just that cocky. You know what I mean? Because he has this town under his control that he doesn't give two shits because he knows I can do whatever I want. People are afraid of me. I got this plan that's going to work. I, I got this. And I love how he is like, he knows how to put on the smile and be charming and kind of diffuse you. Real quick, like you kind of like you fall for a strong if you don't know what's going on, but like beneath that all is a dangerous, sadistic, scary human being. Yeah, that's Dan O'Hurley, who uh played a bad guy in the Robocop as well. He uh he didn't care for this. He thought this was uh just a piece of schlock that he got paid for. Well, he still did good. See again, think what you want of your movie. But do your job and give me a good performance. Because look, he may have thought Schlocky. I really like him in the movie because he did a good performance. He did, he did great, I think. Yeah, he did. He did good. Uh, so when Dan goes to check out Final Processing, he finds that these dudes in suits are fucking robots. Because okay, sure, why not? And like robots full of orange juice concentrate, which is what that goo was. And that's never explained or questioned. The uh, Cochran does just casually mention, like, "Oh, this robot was from the 1780s." Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Wait. What? I will what say is- it, it does lead to one really good creepy scene with uh, when he's like trying to ask for help in the town. He gets in that one lady's house. He's like, "You need to help me. They're coming for me." And she's just like staring, looking at him. You're like, "Something's off. What's going on?" And that's you know when Phil she's a robot. That scene was kind of like to me legitimately pretty creepy watching it. So it, they at least got like a good creepy scene out of it. But yeah, it's you do sit there and go like, oh, there's robot. You know what? Fuck it. It's just at, the th- at this point you're just like, okay, whatever. Let's just see what else this goes. We got robots. We got magic. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't go for the hat trick and just reveal that like aliens were controlling this whole operation. Right. <laughs> I was about to say someone yelling pancakes and doing martial arts. That's 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 in case of emergencies. 
Hey, I found out how that happened. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but apparently that kid was practicing Taekwondo between takes. And Eli Roth liked it so much, he um, asked him to do it. It was never in the original script. The Eli Roth just wanted to include the kid doing what he was practicing into the film. That explains the martial arts. That does not explain pancakes. I have no extent. I have no thing to back that one up. Okay. I think the kid probably just really wanted pancakes that day. I guess so. Uh, so Cochran, instead of just killing Dan, which is the smart thing to do, just says, why don't I give you a tour of my master plan? Because I'm the bad guy, in case you didn't catch that. Well, because it's the 80s and movies got a movie. <laughs> I always, to this day, one of my favorite things is like Austin Powers when he's like, Dad, just let me go in there and shoot them and get this done. He goes, just don't get it, Scotty. Just don't get it. I'm not going to actually witness them dying. I'm just going to just going to assume it all went to plan. What? What's wrong with that? <laughs> I can go in there pa, pa, real quick. Done. Job done. <sighs> no, Scotty, you tell them the plan and then you walk away and hope it works. I'm going to place him in an overly elaborate and and easily escapable exotic death. That's my favorite bit of that old scene where he just lays it out flat like that. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, good movie. Um, so Cochran just explains straight up. Like I took, I took one of the Stonehenge rocks because the Druid magic is powerful enough to power these chips, which are attached to these masks, which can turn children into dead monsters because Samhain needs a sacrifice. God damn it. Jesus Christ. Am I, I wrong? Does he not say all of that? Pretty much. I like the idea of like, because he never explains how the rock got. You assume he probably had people helping, but I like the idea of Cochrane was so empowered by the true mad- magic that he just like ripped, he, in his suit, ripped his sleeves off and it's just fucking built. Like the guy's packing in muscles and just like hoisted this rock up and walked off with it. Maybe. I mean, he probably, you know, walked in the bottom of the ocean holding this damn thing, just fighting his way through the through the pressure. I buy that. Why not? It's not near it's like is it any more ridiculous than all this other shit? He just punches a shark about to eat him, just pa keeps walking. <laughs> oh, I did like that they didn't they, they pronounced uh Samhain correctly. It's not Sam Hain, though it may look like Sam Hain, it is pronounced Samhain. They, they said Sam Hain in the in Halloween too, didn't they? Or did they say Samhain? I don't remember Samhain being mentioned in Halloween too. It's mentioned in Halloween too. I believe you, I just don't recall it. It's like I'd about say it's a quick thing, it's like drawing on a board, and then Loomis goes on one of his many rants about it. I, I remember that now. I think Austin and I brought that up when we did Halloween too. I remember I remember that now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They do say yeah. Sam Hain. Yeah, because Donald Pleasance, man, the king of like the speeches in the Halloween franchise. Like, I have a story to tell you right now. One thing I've noticed watching a lot of Donald Pleasant's work is whenever he mispronounces something, nobody calls him on it because they're afraid to. You know, not just Samhain, but have you ever seen a mystery science theater do a Puma Man? No, but you've told me he's just the way he says Puma. Yeah, Puma Man. He says that the whole movie. <laughs> ah, I mean, if you got Donald Pleasant to star in this schlock, are you really going to correct him? 
Uh, yeah. Actually, when I first heard of Samhain was from Supernatural, that episode when they resurrect in the show Sam Hain, the demon of Halloween, and they call him Sam Hain. And then when we did our trick or treat episode, I found out it was pronounced Samhain. So that was a bit of a, of a uh, mind blow at the time. Yeah, it's it's been Americanized the same hand, but it's, it's we're a bunch of fucking idiots who can't pronounce things that aren't our language. Exactly. <laughs> who knows? Maybe if trick or treat two ever actually does happen, everyone get all excited about the it's an active development. Bite me until I see the actual film. Um, my getting my hopes up. Uh, who knows if that ever actually does happen? Maybe they'll they'll we'll see if they include some Sam Hain or Samhain into the into well, the sequel. Considering the demon in the movie is named Sam and not Sow, I think we know where they're gonna lean. Speaking <laughs> of which, seeing that on the big screen, uh, that was playing in theaters. Um, I don't know if anyone's noticed these October's been very kind to indie uh horror in the theaters. Um. But we finally got the long-awaited release of Trick or Treat on to I mean, long-awaited in theaters. I know it's obviously been on home video for quite a while. And if you have a chance, if it's still playing near you, please, 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 please go see it in the, on the big screen. It's 100% worth it. It was so awesome to finally see it the way it should have been fucking shown to begin with. Um, and hopefully it means that, you know, this active development thing we heard about Trick or Treat 2 a week ago will actually mean something if they see that people are seeing the re-release of the original in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. And That's also it. and also check out Terrifier 2. I just found I was playing in a theater this weekend near me and I have got to see it after hearing that people are passing out and vomiting. Oh my god, do I have to see what the fuck people are talking about. <laughs> every time I think there's no way like every time I think we've peaked with crazy shit on camera. I hear shit like that, and I'm like, no, just somebody found another level. And then there, yeah, people like me, that's like, I have to see what they're talking about. Beast my eyes. <laughs> yeah, trick or treat, go see in the theaters if it's playing near you. Support the fact that I finally got a very long overdue theater release. Yeah, that's great. That's such a cool movie. Uh, so probably the most uh, frightening part of this movie is when they kill the child. Uh, top salesman and his wife and son are invited to sit in this windowless brick room and just do so without complaint. And uh, kid puts on his mask. They watch the test run of the Silver Shamrock getaway and the kid's head melts into a moldy pumpkin and mom passes out. Dad screams, has a heart attack or something. It's implied that the whatever was coming out of the kid's head, all the insects and stuff, that maybe something in there carrying him. Because who knows, a snake that came out could have been, you know, venomous, not poisonous. We need to really get rid of calling snakes poisonous, people. I wonder if, you know, magic snake that comes out of a a dying kid's mouth through the druid magic, is that like a snake that's native to England? Or just like any kind of snake? That's, that's, That's your burning question. I was thinking that when the snake came out of his mouth, I'm like, magically conjured snakes, like, are they just made from thin air? Or, like, is a snake in South America just randomly wake up in a different place? I don't know. I was more grossed out by the fact that I just saw a snake come out of a kid's mouth. Yeah, was a dead holy kid. shit. There's a body. There's a pumpkin. Again, venomous snake. A lot of people call snakes poisonous. I'm like, you know poison is, like, 
it touches you, venom has to get injected into you, which is why snakes bite you. They inject the venom into you through their fangs. You're not eating the snake, so it's not poisonous. <laughs> yeah. And also, try not to get bit by a venomous snake. It's not going to be a good day for you. No, not at all. Um, I thought Teddy's death was a little unnecessary. Uh, just randomly, she gets a power drill to the fucking head. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I figured it was like Cochran trying to clean up loose ends since it was like, well, she knows. We got to get rid of her. Um, again, and it also implied that, you know, her and Tom Atkins were hooking up. There's a lot of like throughout this movie, it's just like implied dialogue, like, dear God, Tom Atkins, like you work here, man. The only one who's not getting any is the ex-wife, and that's why she's so pissed. <laughs> But clearly we know why they broke up. He's been whoring his way through this whole town. <laughs> I mean, yeah, literally everybody. He's hitting on his nurse. Like, yeah, he slapped. It's funny too, because I, I know we did a we did a kickboxer and I talked about that whole scene where like they slap and they laugh it off. Halloween two or three kind of does it where he like slaps her, but then they kind of play it off by like she slaps him back and laughs. I'm like, oh dear God. I guess his motto is like, you can't get sexually harassed if you just give it away to everybody. I guess he's like, look, and apparently they all want to sleep with them. So he's like, eh, they all want me anyway, apparently. The curse of Tom Atkins. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween There's four. some Druish magic I can get behind. <laughs> uh,. I felt the most unrealistic part of this movie is when Dan tosses the mask over the security camera in one quick motion while he's still tied up in in a movie. But all the shit that's going on in this movie that bugged you? That yeah. was like 100% that bugged me. It was just like, meh, and it just went shoop, like like a glove. Are you are you shitting me? Come on. God damn it! You're you're being that guy. I would never forget when I watched the original Evil Dead with a, with a buddy of mine before the 2013 one came out. In a movie where people read from a thing called a Book of the Dead, the Necronomicon, and demons possess them and make them do horrific things to themselves and others. There's a scene, you know, where he tries to shoot one of them, and he he shoots out the fucking cabin window. And um, I kid you not, in this movie, my buddy turns to me and goes, "Window wouldn't break like that with a shotgun." I'm like, are you serious right now? That's kind of how I feel with this. I understand where you're coming from. I'm like, hey, they, you're watching a movie where an old man somehow took a whole slab of Stonehenge, transports it to America, at some point created robot fucking townsfolk and serve, you know, henchmen. I was about to say servants, henchmen to help him out. And what gets you is, he tossed that thing way too perfectly on the TV. Yes. Yes. 100%. That reminds me of a a story I read on uh, on Facebook or Instagram, one of those, where this guy was watching The Irishman with his dad. And at the beginning of the movie where De Niro's truck breaks down, his dad just mumbled, must be the transmission. And then didn't say a word the rest of the movie. We all have our little things that are like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> it, it's it's weird. It's like, and sometimes I just sit there. I'm like, 
especially when bring, people bring it up to like certain type of films, like usually like horror or like action or crime, like I always just that's when I like to point out the plot where I'm like, we're watching a movie where robots transform into cars. And you want to point this out in the movie? This is your nagging issue. I like there are robots that are transforming into cars, people. Uh, yeah, we we went over. We talked about Linda, the ex-wife, who just keeps getting bad news from from her husband and doesn't let him get a word in. Edgewise, I like how at one point he just starts to hang up on her. Like I like when he's like trying to tell her he's not going to make it, and you can hear her bitching, and he just hangs up the phone. Yeah, he's like, well, where, "Where are you going?" He's like, uh, "I forgot the name of the hotel. Oh, we'll, we'll talk later." And she's like, hey, "Wait, wait, <laughs> <He> just <laughs> like, nope." Ah, oh, pre-cell phone days, where as long as you hung up that phone, you were you were clear. You could just walk away. Yeah, to me, nothing beats that final call where he, he's literally trapped in the warehouse in the factory and he's like gotta get the kids away from the tv and she's like what was it we said you gotta get rid of those masks and she's like oh the ones i bought for them like, fuck you and hangs up like wow that's yeah. he's better off <sighs> so yeah so. It, god damn it I, you sure she's been like god damn you know what let those kids die i'll make more wow <laughs> shit you should just reverse psychology that You're like you know what fine Fine, Linda. Let them wear the mask that you bought. You bought. Not me. You. All right? Wear the fucking mask. He freaks out like, you think I don't have more kids? I got kids all over this town. You're not, even, my, you're not even my real family. Have you seen the whoring around I'm done at the hospital, the place I work at? I can make more of them in an instant. <laughs> just fucking just loses it. I'm Dr. Dan, bitch. Look at this mustache. Look at it. Oh, so his solution is he grabs a box of chips, throws it over the balcony, and just starts whacking people in the face with 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 magic lasers. And Cochran's just like, "Well played," and then explodes. Like <laughs> Cochran's like, you know what? You got me. Checkmate. I have thought of this plan. I like how in like a lot of like and not just in this one, but like you watch it in a lot of old films. The bad guys do this a lot. Where like their plan is foiled and they don't have a freak out moment, which would be a little bit more sensical, uh, like logical. Like, yeah, you would freak out your plan that you've worked on for years is not working. They always have that moment of like touche. I know I've worked on this for a good chunk of my life. I've dedicated my whole life to this moment. And it was going off without a hitch until you, who you, Bond, Chalice, Jones, insert any other name, till you decide to wear your ugly head. And you know what? Hats off to you, sir. I should die in respect. I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling small town doctors. I would love to just have seen like fucking Cochran just absolutely lose mine. <laughs> Instead of like the little crazy, I just starts to lose his shit. Yeah, he like turns into a ghost briefly. He's like, ah, and then just fades away, and then the Stonehenge stone explodes or teleports back to his rightful place. Who knows in this in this universe? I don't know. 
And uh, turns out Ellie's a robot now because she got strapped to a chair or to a bench, you know, a gurney. And that's what happens when you get strapped to a gurney in movies. You turn into a robot. Do you, do you, do you think, like, for a second, Tom Atkins, like, good old Dan Charles was thinking, like, maybe I could still hit that. Oh, he was, yeah. Actually, he, he didn't get crossed his mind, like, does it still work down there? <laughs> I wonder if he was thinking, like, well, can't can't get kids with this one so plus there's, that's going to the plus column yeah. probably don't have to worry about a condom because she's a robot so that's a plus and then while he's pondering all this hand reaches out starts choking him because he wasn't paying attention <laughs> he's typically like figuring out the logistics of how this would work just if it feels like it did before then getting in there wouldn't be a it oh god she's choking me oh god <laughs> He's just like, ah, ah, like screaming. It all goes out the window. He's like slapping the robot. (laughs) That's kind of what happened. He just like immediately took her, like, you know, took her down with a tire iron. (laughs) Oh, he took her out. As soon as he realized, it was like he had a moment. He was like, you know what? No, I can't. This isn't going to work out. I'll just get rid of her. And then. He emerges from out of nowhere to this gas station. I'm sure that dude who runs that gas station is sick and tired of people emerging from the woods, freaking the fuck out. He's probably thinking, <laughs> just, come on, can I have a normal night, man? Just pump and, some gas. I work my shift. I go home, all right? And somehow, Dan is able to convince, like, television networks to pull the commercial. Two, with out, no of- pr- two out of three. Yeah, with no proof, nothing to back him up, just screaming, turn it off! Like I do, I do actually like this. To me, is one of the best like horror movie endings ever. Like one of the best. I fucking adore this ending. When you get like, they gives you that hope. Like, oh, okay, that one turned off. The kid changes the second turn. You're like, ah, and then that one shuts off. I'm like, Whew. and he does it to the third one. And you're like, okay, we've seen it twice. He's good, but it keeps going. And the fucking frantic and like franticness and the fear that in all fairness, like. I don't know if we made a lot of, you know, Tom Atkins' man strokes, but like, in all fairness, he does really good in this movie, for one surprise, and in this moment especially, his like, turn off, turn off, you did it all but on this one, turn, and like, his moment of just like, oh god, oh god, oh god, like, they're not shutting it off, and how the movie just ends on that, like, you just, it's black, and all you hear is like, turn it off, and then the credits, oh, great fucking ending, fucking superb. True, but if the rock exploded and Cochrane exploded, who's running this project anymore? Like, who's 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 setting that up? God. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Population <laughs> control, I guess. I don't know. The original ending, uh, instead of the chariots of pumpkins playing over the end credits, it was supposed to be the sound of thousands of children screaming as they die. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that got a veto. <laughs> so <laughs> that would have been such a haunting ending. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh so instead I mean, we got we got ambig- ambiguity. I would have been like the one exact like exact, I would have been like, I'm cool with that ending. We can keep it. And they just look at me like the fuck is wrong? I'm oh, I'm sorry. I know we were, I thought we were making a horror movie over here, fellas. They did. 
they take a vote like who wants the musical ending everyone raises their hands and who wants the super disturbing child murder ending and you just raise your hand with a smile and everyone just glares at you until you're embarrassed and you just like slowly put your hand down and just (laughs) keep your head down and don't say anything the rest of the meeting (laughs) we're not going to take any any in (laughs) rest me Anyone have any input? Or not, not you, Mister. We want to hear ch- children scream during the credits. Not you. No input from you anymore. Anyone else? You get an email from HR. You have to report to sensitivity training. <laughs> do you have Do you have a reason why you did that? He gave us a choice. I like the ending better. Okay. You say something horrifically out of context, like. What's wrong with hearing a bunch of children scream to death? Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Look, we had an option: happy music or children screaming to death. All right, I went with the latter. It seemed right. Okay, fucking excuse me. <laughs> I can see you yelling that as you were being escorted out of the building with a box full of your stuff. Excuse me for wanting to try something new. You came to me for a third Halloween film. Me. (laughs) You were already doing something different. I wanted to commit. You did it. Oh, man. Okay. Here are some filmgasm facts for Halloween 3. The mm-hmm. one you just told, other than, you know, a bunch yeah. of children screaming to death. Yeah, I, facts. It didn't make it into my facts, but once I heard about that, I was like, I got to say something. I can't just leave that. That's insane. <laughs> that that was even pitched. It's like, I got this picture Tommy Lee Wallace talking to the producers. Are like, I was thinking of two endings, <laughs> so we decided to shoot them both. And I just love to know what you think. They show the first one, you know, turn it off music. And they're like, oh, that was pretty good. What else you got? <laughs> turn it off. Ah, 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 just kids horrifically screaming, and they're just like, What the fuck, Tommy? I love the actual, like, possible scenarios of the English just being like, Did you just, did you guys all just hear that ending? Like, you know, to, like, to, to film that, they had to get like a bunch of children in the in a booth to like record their hellish scream of death yeah which is just insane <laughs> what if like someone especially like, do we test this do we do we test this with an audience and see what they we gotta tell them no how do we tell them no to that that that's horrific who the fuck's gonna sign off on that we stop <laughs> our cards like hold my beer i think i know what to do here Everyone's like, no, sit down. No, <laughs> no, we're not bringing Michael back. God, sit, sit down. That's his solution to literally every movie decision he has to make. It's like Michael Myers <laughs> makes money. I promise. All right. No, God, we really no. We have to actually figure out how to change this horrific ending and also tell Tommy that it's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, that's so fucked up. Okay. Film guys, in fact, number one. Using the original molds, the skull, witch, and jack-o'-lantern masks seen in the movie were mass-produced by Don Post Studios and sold in retail stores to promote the movie's release. 
So you can get these, you know, the Fright Rags one, or you can track down the original 1982 released masks. I mean, which has got to be pretty cool for collectors. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I doubt they're probably gonna be really. I doubt they're on eBay, but they're probably gonna be really fucking expensive if you ever owns these original masks. But I mean, no, you can. So you can get on. You know, yeah, obviously you can get the original ones. But if you want to keep it affordable, ladies and gentlemen, just go on Trick or Treat Studios, order that, go on the Fright Rags and get the little mini display ones that they've made. That's what they are. You can't really. They're like mini display ones. What do you do? But. But if you want to try to hunt these on, yes, I'm sure you can find it, but you better be willing to fork out like thousands of fucking dollars. Well, tell me this. Does does the uh the collectors like you know box of these of these masks, do they come with a recording of thousands of children screaming to their deaths? Because I only want them if they have that. No. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, actually, like Halloween three masks now with real death screams. <laughs> Can you imagine like the batteries malfunctioning and that shit happening while you're sleeping? Oh my god! god. <laughs> you're just laying in bed. The next thing you know, you're seeing this horrific. Like you're like, oh my god! <laughs> it, I mean, like other than like him having to pitch that to his studio, like the fact that was that like written like at some point they're like, how do I end this movie? Oh, I know. Ending. Thousands of horrific children screaming to their death. And right. someone read that and went, Jesus Christ. I'm looking up the uh the full thing here. Uh okay. I love how we've really focused on this ending. Cause it's insane. Like you would even pitch that is like you out Jesus Christ. You imagine like the pitch is going really well. Like, yeah, I really like. Okay, okay. Mask killed dark, but we can film that. We can find a way to work around that. And he gets to the end of the pitch, and they're like, "Okay, how you going in this, Tommy?" It's like, yeah, okay, perfect ending, guys. Yeah, here it is. After Daniel shouts, "Stop it!" on the phone, the movie's very ending. The screen cuts to black, and in the end credits. Originally, the ending theme wasn't going to be played during the credits. Instead, it was supposed to be the screams of millions of children being murdered. Director Tommy Lee Wallace decided not to add this so the ending could be ambiguous and add a possibility that they were saved. When lead actor Tom Atkins saw this new ending, he was much more satisfied with the movie and likes to imagine his character's struggles weren't in vain or his own children at the very least survived. (laughs) So Tom Atkins was like, at least I might have saved my kids. Might have saved my kids. Fuck my wife for always... All my ex-wife for always complaining. Oh shit! The novelization, however, makes it very clear that Chalice failed. It is described that the endless screams of dying children could be heard, quote, throughout the station, the town, and the land beyond. Oh, okay. Haunting to think about. Jesus. Yeah. Michael Myers ain't got shit on druid magic when it comes to a fucking kill count. You think like you think like Michael Myers next time he's like. There's not a lot of children out here. What happened when I took like the year off? <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Michael just walking through a desolate Haddonfield, like, hello? <laughs> hello? I, I only took a year, guys. Anyone? <laughs> are, are we not doing this? <laughs> like, it's Halloween. <laughs> that's, that's why he had to come back six years later. 
He was like, fuck, I gotta wait longer. We need more children in this town. <laughs> Someone comes out to like, hey, look, uh, Mike, Mike, come here. We got we gotta say don't stab me. Don't put the knife down. I gotta tell you something. Straight <laughs> stop, man. The kids are dead. They're gone. We gotta make more. So can we do like a parlay and a peace talk? And you just come back in like six years. Some of the kids will be a little bit older. And you know, we'll have some teenagers, hopefully, and then you can do your thing a little stab stab there, a little stab stab here, you know, bada bing, bada boom. But we need a break for like six years. I'm I'm choosing to believe this canon explanation of why it took six years for Halloween four. That's why I keep saying six years. <laughs> okay, moving on. Number two. The original writer of the story was Nigel Neal. But he sued the producers to take his name off the movie after seeing how violent this was. Oh, oh, you poor man. You poor Nigel. Your Halloween movie was too violent. Oh, how could they? What's amazing is that, like, I argue Halloween 2 has more violent kills in it. Because this one, yes, it has violent kills, but they are few and far between. If you get hired to write a Halloween movie and then it turns out to be violent and you sue the producers for like transforming your work into something horrible, look at what you signed up for. Oh my God. Do you think he thought he wrote? I don't know, but if he had anything to do with the robots and the druid magic and all that shit, then fuck you. What if he like the whole time thought he was just writing Shakespeare? And he's just like appalled. He's like, this is not what I wrote. Oh, yeah. What the hell? I'll never understand. Like they they, after the movie's made, they have a realization of like, oh, my God, how violent. How could I put my name on something like that? It's like, were you just did you just have your eyes closed the whole production? Were you were you not coming to set? How are you just now figuring this out? Yeah, it's like if someone got hired on a Friday the 13th film. When I first went, oh my god, this is violent. I know it's the fifth one, but my lord. Oh, I need a sue. My dear Betsy, this is just... <laughs> Cheese and biscuits, Batman. This is violent. Oh my god. I hope this imaginary screenwriter you made up gets hit by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and number three. During a panel at 2013's 35 Years of Terror Halloween convention in Pasadena, Tommy Lee Wallace was asked by the moderator to explain, as the sole credited screenwriter, the connection between Stonehenge, Ireland, robots, and laser beams that both melt flesh and produce slash conjure bugs and snakes from a human body. Wallace's entire response was, and I quote, it's magic, man. It's like, who cares? It's magic. Anything goes. <laughs> oh, he sounds like my kind of guy. Like, if I was a screenwriter, that would be my answer. I don't know, magic. And then move on. I would not ever, ever try to fucking link all this up. <laughs> I would double down so hard in my attempt to never make sure it makes sense to people. I love that people were asking him. It's like, so what? what is all this? How does this connect? And he's like, it's been 35 years. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I didn't know when I was making it. Still don't know. Do you guys hear about my original ending? I have it recorded here. I keep this with me at all times. <laughs> ah! <laughs> he just plays that shit. 
anytime someone brings up Halloween, he's like, hey, I was I did Halloween three. You want to hear something? Sears <laughs> <laughs> said no. That's his biggest regret because he didn't get to pin the giant scream collection he, he put at the end of Halloween three. He didn't get to do that. He, you think when Screen Factory came and knocked and like, hey, we want to put this out on like 4K, you know, or remastering of the Halloween. He's like, do you guys want to put my? We do not want to put in your original ending, Mr. Wallace. Jesus Christ. We just you, one interview. Have you checked your 4K? Is there an alternate ending? No, there's not. Oh, that would oh, that, that would have been amazing. <laughs> I just thought that like him, like they come up to him, like, hey, so in the tent to like do bonus features. And he's like, so hey, how are you doing 4K? Of my movie, I have an ending. There's like no, no, no. We've heard no. We're here for an interview. Just, Mr. Rollins, please stop, stop. It's not happening. They keep having to cut around his insistence. Like he keeps bringing that up, and then they cut to like Tom Atkins talking about it. <laughs> they keep bringing it back. It's like, every time he starts bringing it up, it's like nope. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. That's crazy. Um, so I give the film a six. It's not great, but I get why some people love it personally. It's not for me, but I will admit it is growing on me. So we're saying that there's a chance it could make it to a seven. One day, possibly. If I'm in a really good mood, it could be a seven. So it's a seven in his eyes. I like it. That's what I'm going to say. I heard. No. Um, I I will give it an eight. It, uh, I think when I first saw it, I was probably more in the seven territory, but it's grown on me quite a bit. I do really enjoy watching it and just like like we talked about, I just like it's a batshit insane premise that fully commits, it grabs you. You got always awesome to see Tom you know, Tom Atkins in the lead role. And it it you know, it's with the catchy, you know, tune, obviously we talked about that jingle. It I dare anyone to watch this and not get that damn jingle stuck in your head after watching it at least the first time. Like it so catchy. Um, like like you mentioned, you know, and I actually thought this especially when I watched it recently, but you know, Carpenter's scores is really, really good in here. And actually I would say one of his most underrated scores, in my opinion. People do not talk about it enough. Um, so yeah, I I I really, really enjoy this. You know, yeah, it's a shame with the fact that it got called Halloween three and you know all the stuff surrounding it, but I'm glad that it has found its own it has gained its legs. It's become much more embraced by the whole community and kind of viewed on its own terms now. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And appropriate that we're doing this the week that we're getting like, you know, a proper Halloween three with Halloween ends. It's like good timing. Yes, because we never got the much talked about after Rob Zombie's Halloween two. Like I remember hearing about it for fucking ever. Halloween three. At one point, they had the guys, the the guys who did like the later Saw films, because they were a hot ticket item. They were attached. Um, the guys who did the Mind Blade Valentine remake, Patrick uh, Luzier, and stuff were like attached to it. It it was like because I remember it was like Halloween three. At one point, Halloween three D. You know, three D create. Yeah. Um, it was like that and a Hellraiser for the longest time, which is constantly getting talked about. The wine scenes were just uh, clearly not actually interested in making movies, just want to talk about it so they could keep rights. And you know, thankfully, now we're at a place where hey, we got a fucking uh, I don't know if you watched it yet, but I personally really enjoyed it. You know, brand new Hellraiser on Hulu. We have this new Halloween trilogy. We're finally, like you said, getting a, an actual Halloween three. You know, we've had 
three Halloween ones, three Halloween twos now, and we're finally getting a proper Halloween three. That's a sequel to prior films that have taken place before it. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I had a good time here. Uh, if you like the show, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can send us a message there. You can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. Uh, check out the website. We've got reviews, articles, trailers of upcoming films, and all of our shows there for your viewing pleasure if you want to support the show through anchor you can click on support this podcast on your preferred provider we appreciate it and uh we had a movie in in um on the schedule for next week that we decided to axe the last second because it wasn't halloweeny enough so we had a long difficult conversation it took five minutes (laughs) and we after going through thousands of possibilities I literally suggested like three other films prior to the last one. We finally decided on after a grueling argument. I literally (laughs) said this one last and you were like, yep, that's perfect. We're finally tackling the incomparable Rob Zombie with his 2003 directorial debut House of a Thousand Corpses. Two young couples traveling through the back roads of Texas encounter the brutal and sadistic Firefly family. It's the film that started Zombie's career as a filmmaker and cemented his reputation for brutality, sadism, and twisted characters and scenarios. And uh, yeah, this felt right. Felt right to tackle something big and freaky right in the middle of uh, October. And yeah, I'm I'm excited. This is on AMC Plus if you have that. Uh, that's where I intend to watch it. I know you own pretty much all of Zombies films. Yes. So here we go. <laughs> oh god, I can't wait. Yeah, it. Yeah, when you you text me like, "Hey, let's do some more Halloween," I was like, "Okay." And I like I named some other stuff I was like directly looking at, and then I just happened to peek over as I was leaving to go do something else, and I was like, "Oh, we haven't done Rob Zombie Monsters just came out. Let's you know what? Let's do Rob Zombie." And that's when I was like, hey, do you want to just tackle Rob Zombie finally and do House of Thousand Corpses? And then you were like, yeah, perfect. And then that's when it dawned on me. Like, and the other perfect thing is, for those who don't know, a little info on the film um, before you hopefully want to dive in and watch it. But I will say, I want to go ahead and for the, probably one of the few times ever, put out a warning that this film is not for everyone. This and Devil's Rejects, you know, probably the ones you always hear about when it comes to Rob Zombie, especially in terms of like his good movies. Not for everyone. They are very much, you know, they are products of that early 2000s period of just brutal, fucked up, in-your-face type of horror films that were getting mainstream release left and right in American cinema, especially post-9-11. Um, um, but, you know, with that, I'm looking forward to it. He's a, I'm a big Rob Zombie fan. Very, very ready to tackle him. And I absolutely love House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects especially, so I cannot wait to do this. Now that um without oh yeah and little plot detail it takes place on Halloween so it it kind of worked out in our favor because I actually almost forgot that House of Corpses takes place on uh, Halloween. Yeah, this is going to be a uh, new territory for me for the most part. Uh, I've seen a couple of his movies, but I'm much more I'm a much bigger fan of his music. Uh, so this will be uh be interesting for me. <laughs> this is gonna be like my fiftieth or so time seeing this movie. I've seen this film a lot. I know for sure nothing is going to beat my favorite Sid Haig performance. We both know what it is. 
I don't. Uh, I, I. Yeah. I mean, I like that, but goddamn, like, I, I do stuff for me because Sid Haig. I'll get into it next week, but Sid Haig fucking crushes it in this and Devil's Rejects. He actually like his whole like fuck your mama, fuck your sister. Like when like the the gun robbers are like saying their countdown until they shoot him, and every time they say a number, he says a new thing. Where he's like fuck your mama, fuck your sister, and then he gets swing. He's like, and above all, fuck you. Be interesting. You know what's it? You know what's really weird? Google has this listed as horror comedy. That's interesting. Google. Yeah, is that accurate? No, <laughs> no. Especially <laughs> you know the history of this film. Like it, it got delayed. Uh, at first, like when he first filmed, it was apparently more fucked up when he filmed it and gave the initial cut. And the studio sounded so they're like, "Holy shit! What the hell do we do with this movie?" Then he <laughs> he got the rights back because they won't. They would not release it. And he sold it to MGM and then joked and they overheard, overheard him joking like, ha, he goes, they, they got no more. They just bought my fucked up movie, which he said as a joke, but they overheard it. So then they went, well, fuck you. And then they didn't release it. Wow. So then he had to buy it back from them. And finally Lionsgate picked it up and said, oh yeah, we'll put it out. We don't, we don't, we're doing Saw. We don't give a shit. Oh, we, they didn't even have Saw yet, but they were just like, yeah, we don't give a shit. That's hilarious. All right. I I look forward to more anecdotes like that next week. I have a feeling this is going to be a very interesting episode. Um, in the meantime, don't miss Wes Craven's My Soul to Take on Fridays Beyond the Bad. What I hear, this is going to be quite the just crap fest. <laughs> I want someone to really try to convince me that one, they like that movie, and two, that that's the same Wes Craven who's giving us things like Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street, Last House on Love, Hell's Advice, People on Stairs, Hell, even Shocker. Try to fucking convince me this is the same Wes Craven. You sure this wasn't some like knockoff director named like West Craven? Because that would explain a lot. Press Waven. It's West Craven with a K. Like Craven the Hunter. East, East Craven. East Craven. <laughs> Oh, I I kind of can't wait to watch this. You have built this up to be quite the piece of shit. So I'm I'm dude, kind dude. of excited. I want I've never wished like I've watched a lot of bad films for the sake of my podcast. And more than um the Tom Green film, Freddie Got Finger, there we go. Um more than that, I've never wanted to want run to a wall and just start bashing my head against it more than during this movie. Like I wanted to get this out of my head. God damn. Well, at least I've got a good balance because this week on Oscar Sunday, we're doing an early Best Picture showdown because I'm going to Europe for a while. We're doing Parasite 2019, an excellent year for film. The year that Austin and I like pretty much like started really taking this seriously. So we saw most of those movies together. So this is going to be a nice reminisce uh, podcast. And Parasite's such a fucking classic, just a That's modern a- classic. That's the year I actually saw most of the Oscar films because most of them were actually just looked good to me in general. Yeah, it's a fantastic year. It's going to be fun to rank those films and watch them again. A lot of them I haven't watched since uh, since I first saw them. Yeah, Parasite was really good. I really did like Parasite. Yeah. So in the meantime, if you hear the Silver Shamrock jingle and Halloween is coming up, maybe don't put on one of their masks. See you next week. Keep watching movies. Thank <laughs> you.